Sweet. Sweet. You don't need to count down, though, do you? No. Well, cool. Again, but tradition. (laughs) But we always count down. But I don't know what to do then. It's like um, I have nothing. I was going to say like me without alcohol, but I haven't been drinking really. Yeah, I was about Um, to say you're living a life. Clean life. Now, last night um, I sampled a bunch of wines for a work-related dealio, but. Alcoholism isn't a work-related dealio. I've told you this countless times. It's all writing, Adair. It's all writing. Okay? <laughs> okay. I. You think Hemingway got good by being sober? Hmm? No. You know how hard it was for me not to send you three different Hemingway quotes? Because you know what? That's the kind of mood I've been in. Yeah. He's, he's a moody one. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. And I think he he appeals to the creative types in times of woe or or frustration, or writer's block, or really just any emotion. I feel like instead of the the pain scale at the hospital, they should have a Hemingway scale. And starts off really simple, and then there's like battle and war in the middle, <laughs> yep. maybe bullfighting. And at the end, it's... it's, it's keep- Alone in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of cats climbing around that one. I was going to say... On a scale from having just found a six-toed cat to being alone in a cabin in Idaho, where would you uh, where would you say you are? I don't know. I'd say I'm before the cabin, but definitely after the six-toed cat. And the Hemingway scale of pain. Where am I at? As a writer, oh, definitely I'm in Idaho. Uh, as a human, I feel like these could be marks on a uh, on a glass. Mm. Like you pour as much as you need, depending on where you well, are. Well, like there's that the coffee scale. cup where it's like, wait, not there yet. Now you can start talking. Where it's like, yeah, as it gets like lower, that. but less annoying and stupid. Yeah, uh, less something that um, your, you know, our moms would have. <laughs> no, I was gonna say more like an aunt who thinks she's still hip would buy for you as a Christmas present. So me, because <laughs> you love coffee, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny uh, because you can't function because of your crippling caf- caffeine dependency. <laughs> yeah, no, I've actually been really good about caffeine, though, since I moved here. Not as good about alcohol nice. because just everyone drinks beer. Like, everyone drinks beer. Beer's far less offensive than, like, being, I don't know, uh, a straight vermouth drinker. Yeah. Speaking of Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Dan, if beer ran for president, do you think? How do you think it would run? Third party candidate? Well, I mean, I I don't know if it'd be successful because would you want to get a beer with beer? And that's always like a sticking point for a lot of people about who they vote yeah, for president. Yeah, I mean, for. really, like, honestly, what? Who is it that like? I don't trust like my neighbor to run a country. And yeah, sure, I'd get a beer with them. But so, like, why is that? The, the it's a bullshit like ability. I don't scale, understand but... though because I honestly am confused why I'm allowed to choose a world leader. Like, why is it that me, as a graduate of the University of Montana, 29 years old, not doing a whole lot of anything? I mean, I feel like I'm relatively informed, but other than that, what really gives me the right other than being an American citizen? <laughs> Uh, that's right there. It's a, it's a right. Rights aren't, um, well, 
Not to go on a tirade about natural law, but rights are not given to you. You're born with them. You have the right to your life, your liberty, and your property. And anything that infringes on those is tyrannical. I I guess for me, I feel like the top like 10% uh, like intelligence wise, the top 10% of our country should get to vote for the world leader. Because I think they take a lot of that into account. Yeah, you would hope so. But also the top 10% of intellectuals would probably have uh, their own vested interests in, in, you know, financial outcomes and things like that. So intelligence, I don't think, would be the benchmark. If I was going to create a perfect presidential election system, I would make it a popular vote to decide the candidates like a straight popular vote for both candidates followed by a gladiatorial match between the two of them i think that's the only fair way to do it you know what fair Um, point i think you came mm -hmm. up with something there right it's like a it's like a two-person purge (laughs) like in the future where we have the purge we have gladiatorial selection for our president i really think think you i i think you really need to go and talk to blumhouse you know and just be like listen Boy, do I have an idea for you. Get Ryan Murphy on board to executive produce, and this shit's gold. So, yeah, I I, I think that that that's a great idea for picking the president. How are you doing, Dan? How's life? I'm hanging in there. Um, I started a new job. Just finished training. I start in earnest on Tuesday. Um, Do you want to tell everyone the address so they can stalk you? I'm going to tell everyone absolutely nothing about it. Okay. Because uh, we, all you I worked say, at a bar in Midtown for a really long time. No one knew where. I got asked a few times, where does Dan work? And I never responded. <laughs> I never told people. <laughs> yeah, that's probably safe. I think, um, you know, I, I make a joke on this week's 20 minutes of banter about shooting a president to get attention. <laughs> from a celebrity so if i'm ever really famous and you want my attention don't try and find my address just shoot the sitting president and i will pay attention to you i think that could be said of a lot of people right now i was gonna say regardless of who it is or when it is that's just like <laughs> yeah, a you, good attention gotta, getter like honestly it's not a keep bad plan <laughs> keep it specific um, yeah so started my new job j-o-b but i've been um pretty prolific with NaNoWriMo. I'm about 4,000 words behind, but I've also written, you know, 27, 28,000 words this month. That is amazing. So, I am definitely like a hard six or 7,000 words behind uh, all this week, pretty much. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. This Me week too. sucked. This week was awful. And so uh, I didn't write as much as I would like. And I'm also like kind of retooling, like constantly with this book, I have been retooling and still hasn't, I, I, it hasn't kept, stopped me from writing, but I, I start with something and then I'll edit it and then I have to decide what I'm doing <laughs> because yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it, it's worked all right for now, but sure. at a certain point, it's not going to work anymore. The system I've developed. And it works because that's how I write in general. Mm-hmm. And I can piece it together. But it's really... Uh, I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll explain that I'm, I'm debating between it being a novel, like a, a 
an actual novel or a a novel that is really a collection of short stories, sort of similar to uh, to the idea of uh, uh, this is the story of a happy marriage by Ann Patchett. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that is that is where my conundrum lies, because a lot of it could it it's almost feeling segregated enough in the stories that they could be separate stories and I could link them together to lead to this. And so I've been writing as it comes to me and as things are remembered, because a lot of the things are somewhat autobiographical. It's sure. um, not completely, but it's pretty autobiographical. Yeah. So, so I'm basically just trying to decide which way I'm going with this. And I mean, it works right now. It'll work whatever I decide to do as far as that goes. But those kinds of editorial decisions cannot. Well, obviously, you can kick that down the road. You don't need to know right now because you can second draft to make it more cohesive or second draft to, you know, further extrapolate each one out into its own individual story. But that's got to be. A challenge, though. Am I writing a volume? Am I writing a novel? What am I writing? Well, yeah, and it definitely the tone doesn't change too much, but it it affects how you start each chapter. Because if sure. it's going to be short stories, like you kind of need to give a little bit more weight into things at the beginning. Where if it's a chapter, you're just picking up. So right. So that's been my issue. I my brain has not been terribly into the NaNoWriMo state mm-hmm. right now. I, that's not really been where I'm at. But I do not work for the next week. Damn. Yeah, I do not. I I was realizing I don't remember the last time I had a full week off. Like I went to Mexico, but I like left on a Wednesday and came back on a Monday or something. Last sure. and like when I come to New York, it's like a very long weekend. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know what to do with myself. Right like a motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my plan. I, I'm i giving myself a slightly bigger writing goal. And, you know, I've, I've kind of accepted that this is my first NaNoWriMo. I may not get to the word count that I want to. I'm trying really hard, but also, you know... It, it's it's a really great push, but sometimes you have to live your life and like let yourself not be held accountable for something for a day. Well, and I mean, you're not Stephen King. No one's expecting you to you know put out a million words a day forever. It's it's a fun challenge, but it's it's a challenge. No, Dan, it's that's exactly what is expected of me. That's what ex- that I mean. I'm I'm still waiting on you to top the New York Times bestseller list three times in a year. That just that you just know, seems yeah. like and that's that's an the expectation triumph. I put for myself as well. So you know, screw you for undermining it. Seriously, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you I'm should be, Dan. I... You should be. Usually, yeah. Nine times out of ten. Do you have uh, speaking though of the creative the creative process? How how is your book going? My book's going well. Um, I hate first person narration most of the time. I really really don't care for it. But I I think that I think that with this character, the voice is unique enough that um, 
I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying writing it. I'm enjoying reading it. I'm enjoying being immersed in their head because they have such specific mental problems that they're analytical in like off and interesting ways where I get to comment on specific characteristics or things that are happening in a way that's really, that's really amusing to me. So I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it in that respect. And, uh, it's set in New York. So it's been really fun to write about New York as I'm hiding out in the, uh, in the American West. But yeah, it's, it's gone, it's gone quite well. Um, as far as me being happy to write it. I don't know if I'm going to love the finished product, but more so than a lot of stories I've started, I'm enjoying writing it for the most part. There's some tedious bits, and I find that the connective tissue in novels is hard for me. I can write a good scene, but to segue into the next scene, it's like I just want to do a cut. I just want to do like a jump cut, you know? I want Can I do a like star this. sweep? Yeah, um. can I... Can I can I just do a fade to black here? Can I do a, dis- uh, what is it, the dissolve? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or I do the, the Star Wars side sweep. like Yeah, mm. do it. <laughs> the sweep cuts, man, the sweep cuts. Them sweep cuts, though. So I was thinking, so I was thinking about this as I was working on my, my book of just this idea of is it harder to write something that is like, very much fiction, making it up, or something that is like at least semi-autobiographical. And I was thinking maybe I would have enjoyed doing this more and not been so conflicted if this wasn't something that was actually pretty close to home. And I was like, well, then the next book, the next book will will be fictitious. But for me, the draw was very much in this story. And so I had this moment of what is what is easier to do and I don't think that's an e- that's like a question you that can actually be answered without this or this but mm-hmm. it is very interesting to me that you're going more fiction I'm going more first person narrative of an autobiographical thing that happened and it's kind of cool to me and it shows this comparison of even when we do something we do it different like like when we write a poem it's very different when we write a story it's very different like when we're telling it with blog posts back when we did that our point of view to get to the subject was so different and yeah. i don't know it got me into this whole thought process of having a writing partner and what you come up with and i look at like our lines that we do on the blog and things like that where it's just like these completely different narratives these beautiful stories come out of a line and they could not be more different like there's been a few times that they've been similar and normally they're very like pastoral relating to montana (laughs) like because we both grew up there but i was just thinking about that and i know we don't talk as much about that aspect of our writing partnership but i was thinking about that a lot as we've been doing nanorima and I also, by the way, for those of you playing the drinking game at home, it's NaNoWriMo. Every time one of us says NaNoWriMo in any podcast, you have to drink. Drink. And this mm-hmm. is also like if you're talking, we're talking about in 20 minutes of banter, if it's in Disney Channel, if it's in a past episode, you better be drinking. If not, we will find you. And force alcohol down your throat. Yeah, because that's the kind of person we are. 
Because we're just one. Collectively, we're the Borg. <laughs> yep. You will be assimilated. Uh, yeah, so it, it was just an interesting thought process I was having about it. Because I don't think about that as much as I feel like I should. Well, and I think um, like there are writing partnerships out there where people write a thing together rather than what we do most of the time, which is write in... Um, you know, tandem streams, like you and I are each doing our own thing, but we're communicating with each other and sharing with each other. And I'm really excited actually to clean up this rough draft and send it to you on like the first of the year. Um, because I, I think there might actually be something there. Um, but the thing that I find interesting about, you know, two people taking on the same line or accomplishing the same task, but in totally different ways, is why we're doing it. Like you're you're writing about stuff that's fairly personal, but you're adding a fictitious element to it, and I'm writing a really fictitious story and um, inserting some personal touches and details, like oh, it's set on the block that I lived on in Brooklyn and things like that. But the events themselves and the characters have nothing to do with me or or my life. What I'm trying to get out of mine, I guess, is what I try to get out of most writing, which is exercising demons. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you know, you'll have a fun or interesting concept that you think could be entertaining, but I'm a big fan of putting all the darkness out on the page and like really talking about those kinds of things that you can't talk to a therapist about or to your spouse or your good friends but just like the dark weird shit that just pops into your head and if you spoke it aloud you'd be locked up like those sorts of things those pile up with me it's like the trash folder and mm -hmm. I, I it needs to be emptied it's got to have somewhere to go or I start to just feel like sick with internal struggle and bother and worry and being able to take like my anxiety for for instance and really just infuse that into the dna of someone else makes me feel so much better afterwards <laughs> i just feel i feel cleansed of my sins i feel just relieved and almost in a weird way like thankful to the character for like carrying the load for me i'm like here you go buddy let's make you more screwed up come on <laughs> come on so, like, finding fatal flaws in characters is my favorite thing. I'm like, what's something annoying I do or that somebody else does that I really hate? You can do that. And then I don't have to worry about it or think about it anymore. Like, this is your problem it. now. Yep. No. You can be this obnoxious person. <laughs> I don't have to be. <laughs> yeah, I feel that way, especially with what I've been writing. I, I came to this realization of I really I'm not 100% sure I like myself. Uh, like, mm. just as a... I, I think I... That's... That came out funny. But... Um, well, I mean, it didn't come out funny. But it's not exactly... It came out how you meant it. What? <laughs> it came out how you yeah. meant it. Um, I think it's just when you write about something involving yourself to where you were there, I think you often will question your own actions and motives and things like that. And you can understand the truth of like what you did or what you said or how you felt. But right. when you bring it into something that other people can have an opinion about, mm -hmm. it becomes intensely 
personal as far as you have to be really sure of who you are and what you were feeling and what you were doing and why you were doing it. None of this stuff is that I'm writing about is terribly like, oh my God, this is, this is all, it's all just too much. But there, there were a lot of conflicting feelings that were going on. And I am a person who I am very, I keep my feelings very close to, you know, close to me like I don't really wear my feelings out on my sleeve like a lot of people do mm-hmm. and I do not trust people very easily to accept my feelings so I actually was reading something recently that was saying that people and I don't believe in horoscopes like do not get me wrong but it was saying <laughs> something about how people uh that were born when I was born are really intensely private people unless they really really trust other people and so and they are incredibly like and also incredibly uh loyal to their mothers which i found so funny because it was so accurate of me but i think you have to be really sure of who you are when you're writing about yourself but sorry how has how has this affected um because I know content-wise, I don't really want my parents reading my stuff, but how has writing about things that are so personal and could easily be interpreted of like, oh, this is about this person, how has that process been like, like navigating the other players in it? Because obviously, you know, searching yourself has brought up a lot of feelings about who you are and how you feel about yourself. Have you dealt with any of that Um, stereotypical worry? I think the fact is there are mentions of other people. Um, A majority of them are from many years ago. And Mm -hmm. so one doubt they would ever be aware of any of this. But uh, there are very few people whose opinions like and who uh, like I would care uh, like it, sure. what they would have about that there are people that I would take very like sincere care over depicting and for the most part I they're not going to be in it like they'll be they're mentioned yeah. but they're not really in it sure uh yeah so i mean that's that's the tricky thing is I am a person that is intensely private, but if someone asks me a question, I will, without fail, be honest. And like I was telling a friend who visited me recently, it's not that I want to keep things. It's that I genuinely don't feel like people care about certain details of my life. I will share them if someone asks, but it's not something I solicit. And so she was like, okay, well, I'm actually curious then based on that, is there anything like I don't know about you that I might find interesting? And I like listed like three things and she's like, oh, no, I think you told me about this. This is interesting. Like, I didn't know this. And she's like, oh, and yeah, like, I mean, that's intriguing. But yeah, I wouldn't probably have asked about it. And so but I was just like, like, these are no, I don't. I'm not that person. But as far as the people that are being depicted, uh, I think in general, when it comes to the people that I'm very close with, they are, it's a pretty neutral tone for them. Uh, They are characters and they have their feelings and everything, but there's nothing that would either be seen as like a sway to the positive or the negative. There are people that are mentioned that I don't talk to anymore, um, that like I haven't spoken to in a decade. 
and sure. they because like this starts at when I was 15 and so wow. it's like uh, it's not and I mean it may end in a place that there are going to be some people that I might write about that they wouldn't like what I have to say but the fact is I would never when it comes to the people whose feelings and opinions really like matter to me the people that I consider like my my friends I would never mm-hmm. put them in a position of like having that on the, on a page um, well let me ask you this uh, are you using anyone's real name yes oh many people family members yeah okay uh, family members okay. family friends um, are you changing any or a lot of the names like two or three but that's about it I mean, the thing is, uh, there's a lot of people that I think could get offended by the things I have to say, but those are, sure. uh, um, but I'm not saying those things. Like these okay. are things that aren't, they're not pertinent to what Salacious. I'm writing about. Like, yeah. so I don't see a point. I am a firm believer of if I have like, it, it, like there's nothing like where I'm like putting an issue on a piece of paper because I'm like, I don't want to even deal with this. If I had an issue that I felt needed to be dealt with, I would talk to a person. Um, Sure, you probably wouldn't like, you know, send like cryptic messages out into the internet. No, I and probably then would not do that. Clarify it without giving them a, a platform or a chance to respond. No. Or, uh, you know. No, that doesn't seem like something I would do. Or come, to, or, or come to any sort of understanding. I don't think an adult human person would do no, that. No, I mean, and so it's like, yeah. obviously, I wouldn't put that in my book. Um, no, like that's not something I'm going to do. Uh, right. uh, it's going through 15 years. And so there will be people that are mentioned. But the fact is, like, a big part of it is about a rela- relationships with states, like places. It's not really yeah. about the people. And so a, a big part of the first act of it is about I got really tired of how dramatic my life was in high school in Montana. And I don't bring up any particular instance. There was a lot of really weird shit that went on when I was a sophomore in high school that I did not want anything to do with. And so I left and went to Texas. And like, that's that's a majority of what the first part of the book is about, is just me leaving because I was really fucking sick of that. Do I think the people would be offended? No, because it was high school and we were all fucking brats. And so I don't think it's going to be like a thing that anyone's going to take offense to. In uh, things that are closer to home, a lot of it will be about just my dynamic. I think the only thing that is like even questionable for me is some stuff that I'm going to write about that happened to me in 2012. And I think mm-hmm. that would not really affect anyone that I talk to anymore. But it, sure. I think that's the only t- stuff that I'm like, eh. People might not like hearing this, but it's what happened. Well, and, you know, honestly, no one is going to be hurt by it unless they identify themselves to the public. Like, let's fast forward and say this is published and in wide circulation. No one's going to be ousted or or have their dirty laundry aired no. unless they step forward and say, "I'm the character in that book." Yeah, and the thing is, it's two people, and they're both dudes, and neither of them would want anything to do with it. So, I'm pretty sure it's okay. Uh, but yeah, 
I, I, I mean, that's the thing, though, is I'm not using this as like a journal where I'm just I'm frustrated and I'm angry. And these are the things like really this is about the fact that I fell in love with Texas when I was 15 and that I always wanted to live there. And but also about my relationship with Montana and why I struggled being from Montana and then why I moved to Seattle and then my fondness for for California and like all of that and like the choices I made that led me to where I'm at but part of it being just that I'm in love with a place and um one of my dogs just farted um uh and I kind of see it as like a little Steinbeck-esque with like Travels with Charlie where it's just like it's like love letters um and well actually all of Wyoming might be offended by this book I do not... Sp- Take that, Wyoming, not- you big old square. <laughs> big old square. Uh, it's a rectangle. I apologize to the geographers gonna, who are listening. You're going to get some... Well, a rectangle is a square. That's wrong. A square is a rectangle. But a rectangle isn't a square. A square no. has four... I'll trust you. ...perfect angles, and all four lengths are equal. A square doesn't have to... no. A square. A square. It do, a square. Do they all is, have to be equal? Yes, that's what makes it a square. It's squared. No, oh, fuck. Because when you think about when you square a number, you God, multiply it by dude, itself. Dude, it's been so long since I was in school. Can we just add? Square add- is a rectangle. Rectangle is a square. <laughs> I have definitely written about that before because it's like one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite analogies for like. You can you can use a flathead screwdriver in some Phillips head screws, but you can't use a Phillips head screwdriver. In oh, a, in I a love that! Screw. Actually, that's such a great right? way to put it. Um, I love that. It's it's tricky. I actually this is a a great little segue for me of a recommendation I have for you, and I Perfect. can I can let's do it now. I can ex- recommend. I can explain why. So I read you recently got to see John and Hank Green. Very cool. I'm very excited for you. Uh, hate you a little bit. It was, it was super fun. Yeah, I did feel like I wasn't really in on all the jokes, but I, I haven't been a a nerd fighter for for a very long. time. You know what? So long as you don't so, forget to be awesome. Um, I will never forget. <laughs> you're like I wish I could. Um, so I read John Green's new book, Turtles All the Way Down, which is a really it's his first book in six years, and it's really great. Yeah. Um, Good. I haven't read my signed copy. So. Yet. I'm sorry, I had to. I was waiting to drop that. I'm I knew, and the thing is, I knew. My mom offered me her signed copy, and I was like, no, you can have your signed copy. I'll... Oh, I, she doesn't live in Missoula. I was like, Marcy was there, no. and I didn't she, see her. She just got a signed copy because there were a ton at our bookstore that we go to. Uh, I just read from the library because whatever. I'm an adult. Uh, so anyway, I read Turtles All the Way Down, and this book is I feel like a really good representation of trying to explain something that you are dealing with because he uh, he suffers from mental illness like John Green does and he a big part of it is like like a germaphobic kind of mental illness and these things but his description of having a mental illness um, that you can't control and it was and having a friend that doesn't understand that and that is something I have had a lot of trouble with because um, I, I, you know, have 
I've struggled with that. I, I've struggled with anxiety and depression. And these are things that I don't have a lot of control over. And it is so hard to explain to someone who is mad at you because you can't, you don't want to go out. It just, it hurts to function that way and things like that. And it's not about them. It's just you're caught up in something else. And that's a really hard way to live. And it's really hard to feel bad about that too. But there is a whole conversation and it is so well done as far as two two teenage girls discussing, one, being friends with someone with a mental illness and feeling like they are so self-centered because they are always in this little world. And they, they put it in a very interesting way of this girl's boyfriend says, being around you is like having mustard. You don't want just mustard. Like you can have it in small quantities, but you don't want just that. And her response being like, that's all I get is mustard. I understand you don't want that all the time, but how would you feel if that's all that filled your life? And it was one of those moments that I was reading it and I was like in tears because that is a real thing of trying to be like, I'm sorry that this hurts you or this bothers you or this puts you in a position of frustration. But I can only tell you that it's also hard for me. And well, and the fear, the fear of being a burden is that's, that's yeah. I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, I'm just saying like, that is something that is a real thing, writing about a real thing in a fictitious way. And I was so happy about it. Not because, you know, mental illness is not something to be happy about. I get that. But it just but happy for the representation it, it, it was the, nice like, like yeah. it was nice to read that because you know i i don't struggle with that issue i've never had to eat hand sanitizer to feel like i was i was not covered in germs or anything like that that's not my issue but right. i i get it like i get that you sometimes like there's things in your brain that you're just like i don't i know that i'm smart or i know that i i deserve this but my brain is telling me something different and that's hard. And so, yeah, it's just, it was really great. And so I'm saying like, I recommend this to you, especially before NaNoWriMo is over, just because it is something where it's like, this is a way to do some, discuss something that really affects you without making it completely about you. And that was really nice for me. And I think about that because like you and I have had really hard conversations regarding this before. Yeah, we had <laughs> lots of tears. Like so <laughs> many tears about that. And but the thing Sometimes I feel like we should record those phone oh my calls God, and yeah. release them as bonus content. Well, like, God, I think Wanna hear us emotionally <laughs> raw, unpolished, and not talking about writing? <laughs> Ooh. Uh but Ooh. the fact is you are one of the few people where we can have those conversations. I can say, listen, this is why I'm upset or why I'm angry or why I'm hurting. And you can say, this is why I'm frustrated. This is why I feel upset or lost or angry or depressed. And, and we can meet each other. And there is something to be said about that. Like having that and dynamic. I think, I think that there's a, a freedom in uh, friendships or any relationship where you can, for the most part, you know, share your darkness for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. 
when you can either because you know they've gone through similar things or have a frame of reference to understand what you're talking about or they are so committed to loving you mm-hmm. that it's not going to, you know, scare them off or make it impossible or like fundamentally alter um, the dynamics of your relationship. When you have that sort of, I guess I'd call it the freedom to be shitty. Like when you have the ability with a friend to be like, hey, I really just need to bitch about something or I'm freaking out and I don't know what to do. Like the ability to, you know, just let it all go and not feel and not get caught up in your head of like, am I being a burden? Am I causing them a problem? Am I making their bad feelings worse? Like mm-hmm. getting outside of that rat racy. It's not a rat race. Getting outside of that game and feeling accepted and empowered and welcome to be authentically shit when you feel like shit I love that. to not try and put the shit in a box and put a bow on it and then go hey do you maybe want to help me with this dan thing? i'm it's authentically like, shit it's like i come here i feel like shit come look at this shit look at the shit that i am right now no don't touch it just look at it stop and touching can, why and, are you trying to then, touch it in air and then you can say, do you know, do you want help shoveling the shit? Do you want me to just marvel at it? Do you want it to dry out for a while and then we'll pick it up? Or, you know, are you going to take it with Should you? Should we flush you decide. it? Should we flush it? Are you better now? Do you want to flush the shit? Yeah, this, this analogy holds very well. I'm really I'm glad we brought this in. I think it was, a, it was a good way to go. But yeah, so that's my recommendation to you. Thanks for being my friend. Hooray! Also, thanks for tolerating me this whole week because I know I've been... Uh, I've, I, Dan, I'm shit. <laughs> Did I just go on that analogy for nothing? Like, of course, I know, I know. Um, I uh, don't need an apology, and I don't need. Uh, I appreciate the recommendation, but that's why we're friends. Friends are there for I know. each other. That's, I appreciate that. Your wife sent me a lovely text last night, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was very sweet. It was very clear. It was like, you know, she was just thinking about it. She, uh, It's very clear you've shared things with her, um, but she she was ap- apologetic of my situation, which was nice. Well, just so you know, anything you tell me, I immediately text her while we're talking. Yeah, I assume so. So for those of you who are listening, I'm not like dying or anything. My 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 dog has terminal cancer, and I'm very sad about that. Because I've had him, understand. I've had so. him since I was 18 years old, and he is like the love of my life. But yeah, so hey, if you have any recommendations for things to do with your dog before they pass away, please let me know. Yeah, we went on a three and a half mile hike today, and it was lovely. Oh, that sounds. And then great. I gave him so many French fries because my vet was just like. So long as it's not on the list of things they're allergic to, chocolate, onion, grapes, etc. It's like, just let them have it. <laughs> I was like, okay, will do. They're like, no problem. Forget everything you thought you knew about life, dog. You can eat whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Although Maisie's been having to tag along for all of this. And I think at a certain point, she's like, I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, that's 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 among other things, that's what's going on in in my neck of the woods. Uh, and this was the week I was going to recommend Old Yeller. Oh, uh, damn, not a good idea. Terrible joke. Way too. <laughs> I was soon. like, thanks, Clark. <laughs> like nice timing. Nice timing. <laughs>
Um, yeah, I mean, I've not been in your exact situation, as I've made clear, but I know that losing a pet sucks, and I can't imagine what seeing it coming like this for a ways off feels like, but you are not alone. I know, and that's the thing is I have been very, very lucky, and uh, I, I and it's particularly wonderful to see the people that I have here in Dallas stepping up. I, they're bringing cupcakes for the dogs for Maisie's birthday Aww. on Friday. Yeah, that's so cute. Uh, from Sprinkles Cupcakes, there's dog cupcakes there. Oh, um, yeah. So doing that or uh, spending the day with them, taking them on hikes. It's been really lovely. The amount of support uh, that I've gotten and they've gotten, and uh, my neighbors have been really lovely too. Aww. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to hear. Yeah, it. I'm really. I miss my family when it's stuff like this because they've helped me so much through all of that. Mm-hmm. This stuff when I went through it in in uh, the summer when Milo had his surgery, but yeah, so it's it's really it's hard to be away from family in times like this. And but I'm lucky that the friends I have here have really banded together for me, which is appreciated. Yeah. So yeah, what was your recommendation besides Old Yeller? The Anarchist Cookbook. The Anarchist Cookbook. I feel like I've heard about this. So it's a book that was compiled by a gentleman uh, through vigorous research in the New York City Public Library in the 60s. And it teaches you how to, like, make a pipe bomb and filter and, like, make a homemade gas mask. And it was, like, the first... It's like a combination, like, doomsday prepper and riot insider handbook. There's a whole section about how to find mushrooms you can consume in the wild. And there's, like, how to make a blowgun, how to make a Molotov cocktail, uh, how to dig a shelter. It's crazy. And it's all these crudely drawn instructions. Uh, It's, you know, typed out and everything. But the the diagrams and the pictures are all hand-drawn, and they're really terrible. But I referenced it in the book that I'm writing, and I was like, gosh, I haven't really looked at that in a while and I want to make sure I get the right chapter and so I I brought it home with me and it is it's like a fascinating sort of historical document you can get it on Amazon it's not hard to come by but it is so terrifying the instructions for things that are in there that work like it'll teach you how to make napalm it is very specific very deadly information and it's also very interesting the way that it's written it's it to me that and watching uh mind hunter uh mind hunters has given me this sort of fascination with america losing faith in america at, uh, during and after vietnam and like the civil unrest around the civil rights movement and counterculture and sexual liberation all those things and the militant element that was sort of seething under the surface there. It's like, I personally believe that America was founded by rebels and America will constantly have to quell its own rebellious spirit in order to stay a, uh, you know, an empire abroad, which is not a good thing, but um, now I'm going to get political. Anyways, The Anarchist Cookbook is a really weird and interesting book you can probably get at your local library. Hey, have you seen Justice League? Not yet. But I will. I have so many feelings I need to talk to you about. 
I was supposed to go uh, the other night, and my wife got sick. Aww. So I, I hope she's feeling her. better. She is. Uh, she's feeling much better today. Um, Get, but yeah, I saw yes. it. That's all I got. <laughs> we will. We will have much to discuss. I'm sure. I uh, that's will. our next podcast. Aren't we talking about Justice League? Is that our next podcast? Yeah, it'll come out in December. So we'll see what comes out between now and then if we want to do something else. But we can always do. I feel like there's nothing else that we're really like. Woo! I think it, I think it was Justice League and then Star Wars, right? Yeah, maybe Coco, but I don't know. Then I have to go see Coco. Depends. I don't know. I, it's pretty I mean, popular like, no, in Mexico. No, I, I get that. I think I'm seeing Lady Bird this week because my mom's going to oh, be yeah? in town. Aww. She wants to see Lady Bird. I do love Greta Gerwig. Like, I do. I'm a big fan of Lady Bird Johnson. Well, so that was actually a conversation I had today was that when I first heard there was a movie called Lady Bird, I assumed it was about Lady Bird Johnson because a Apparently, I am so entrenched in Texas lore now that that's where my brain goes. But then I was like watching the trailer. I'm like, this is definitely not about Lady Bird Johnson. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that it would be um, an hour long or an hour and a half long episode of King of the Hill, all from the perspective of uh, Hank Hill's dog, Lady Bird. Oh, Lady Bird. Oh, Lady Bird. What's funny is there's just... So many dogs that look like they're stoned, but they're just really tired. Are they? No, they are not stoned. They're just, they hiked. They hiked, they hiked on hills and stuff. There are actually hills. No gold, but hills. Oh, damn. Sorry. Sorry. But yeah. That's all right. Well, I'm excited. I will, I will look into the anarchist cookbook. Uh, Sorry. I had a thing. You got a little something stuck in your throat there? Uh, chili, chili cheese fries. Really? Because it sounded like a poem. Oh, like there was oh a is, poem there, is there a poem in there? In there? I is don't know. Trying to come Do out? you have any quotes <laughs> about there's... writing to inspire me to read this poem? I was actually, since you dropped recommendations so early, I, wa- I was thinking to end with the quote. Oh, okay. Let's do that shit. Okay. That'll be our out. Okay. As soon as, as, soon as I'm ready to like cut you off and just say we're done with this shit, I'll just drop the quote. Oh, I like that. Um, Dick. Sorry. I didn't mean to. So, so yeah. No, I, 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 there is a poem that's that's kind of trying to get out of my my throat my esophagus heimlich that sucker just Just there you go get that poem out of my esophagus uh so yeah uh, i'll read a i'll read a poem read it the rain curtains blurred roads where tire tread means nothing precipitation shouts syllables against rock chipped windows As the cement beneath us pulses with our collected heartbeat, trucks that feel treacherous in the heat become beacons in the storm. Hazard lights act as a flashing lighthouse, beams guiding us to to dry land, silhouettes illuminated with each flash of lightning as the thunder drowns out my racing mind. It was short. What's it called? Oh, commute. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. I, well, the, I, to be fair, the the title was really only done today because I realized I needed to have a title. Right, and you almost got away with not having. One. <laughs> I kind of. That's was, why I'm here, holding you accountable. God damn it! It's like Nanorama. <laughs> Drink. I was gonna say it's more like AA, but we're just not very good <laughs> yeah. at it. 
We're not good at AA. One, we're bad at being anonymous. Like, this every time true. we write a poem, we're like anonymous. We're like, <laughs> just kidding, it was me. <laughs> it was me. It was me. Give me the credit. Give me the credit. Um, again, this is one of those fantastic snapshot poems that you write that I enjoy so much, where you take a moment or an instant of life and just kind of paint with words, which I really, I really enjoy. Um, this is something I'm not good at, <laughs> and I really like oh, um, your ability to capture a moment. I more, um, I write about being sad, not so much about. <laughs> you know driving in a rainstorm <laughs> this was actually my I first rainstorm that i was writing about because i thought yeah. i was gonna die <laughs> yeah i can see how that would happen uh, the way you described it i was like oh my god well because the thing is people drive so fast in dallas and then when the rain mm-hmm. comes they forget how to drive completely and I remember right. I was behind this truck and I was like, I would normally have hated that truck. And I was like, I'm going to follow you into the dark like a Death Cab for Cutie song. I think life is like a Death Cab for Cutie song. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> that was so well put. Right. I think uh, my life is definitely like a Death Cab for Cutie song. It's a lot about uh, crooked teeth and and loneliness. Why a death cab for Cutie? Why couldn't Cutie get like uh, a, a kind uh, a kind Uber? I or really something? don't understand the title of that band, and I feel like people would have liked the band better if it had a better name. Because hmm. I feel like their name is. I mean, I like Death Cab for Cutie. Don't get me wrong. Not as much as my I dad will does. I get you wrong. But. <laughs> I like them, uh, but their name's stupid. Like it's a stupid name. <laughs> I mean, is it any more stupid than Jethro Tull? No, but I don't think about Jethro Tull. I do think about Death Cab for Cutie. About, you're thinking about Jethro Tull right yeah, now. Yeah, I am. Thanks for that, Dick. Um, <laughs> that is uh, that is a title I have earned and will cherish. I am now. Thanks, Dick. Uh, also, oh, I have another recommendation for you. Watch the first, the uh, the cold open of Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. uh, for Chance the Rapper's episode because, was it a human or an animal? I don't know. What is a Chance the Rapper? Oh, no, I was talking about what you were just signaling to. Uh, I, know you I know you knew. Uh, so... <laughs> there was this chance the rapper and he he's hosting but in the new there's an uh, there's a hard uh, there's a cold the, a hard open oh my god a dare <sighs> sunday there was a cold open and i was watching it not thinking much of of watching the episode and there's a moment in that cold open that i i burst out laughing and that's not who i am when i watch snl most of the time Meticulous that's notes. Not what SN- that's not what SNL provides most people. <laughs> no, it's true. But I had this moment where I was just like, holy shit. Because like, it caught me off guard. I started laughing really hard. And so uh, my recommendation is watch that scene and try and tell me what it was I was laughing at. I'm, I'm sure it will be an instantaneous text. Good. Well, In I'm, like I'm, six I'm, weeks when you take me up on this recommendation. <laughs> Uh, as long as we're doing videos, then um, 
there's a little YouTube series called uh, Black Girl in a, Bla- in a Big Dress that is about um, a girl who enjoys doing like Jane Austen Victorian era cosplay parties. She goes to like garden parties, but it takes place today. And it's very, very funny. It's, it's, it's quite enjoyable. She uses the word Fortnite while she's talking to her cousin. And she's like, black people don't say Fortnite. And she's like, well, I'm black and I do. So fair. But it's very, it, it reminds me a lot of Insecure or Atlanta. It's, it's really good. I enjoy it. Just name two other black shows. God. Because so. they're mentioned in the pilot episode. She's like, do you watch Atlanta? Do you watch Insecure? And she's like, no. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I often like to wait two weeks after something interesting happens so I can say a fortnight ago. Right? It's such a unique measurement of time. It's like weighing yourself in stones. Yeah. Apparently you measured horses in hands instead mm-hmm. of feet, and that's four inches. Yep. I only know this because of HQ Trivia. That's my other recommendation, yep. HQ Trivia. <laughs> Don't. Then more people will play. There's already 80,000. What do you think? Like 7,500 tonight. I know, right? Let's add another 500 people onto this. Because that is max what our, our listenership is. Well, that is us. That's enough people to make it for a very crowded house party. So think about that. That's what house are you in? A, a mansion. Yeah. It's, it's really Yeah, great. I was going to say, 500 people would not have fit into my house when, that I grew up in. Well, that's why you have to live modesty. Modestly. Modestly. Okay, Small. sir. All right. Living in a, a tiny, tiny. Do you have place. any other goals for Nanorima? Finish. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good goal to have. I don't know if that. Yep. That's one I will make, but I think we'll I think have having best. fun while I try. Yay, fun! I'm gonna have fun until uh, you know her daddy takes the T-bird away. Oh, at which yeah. point I will never have fun again. Mm. Okay, Brian Wilson. That song's really about how baby boomers are all miserable old bastards. As are most songs from that age. <laughs> yeah. You know. Baby boomers suck. This podcast brought to you by not baby boomers. <laughs> no. They don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> oh, God. It's like internet radio. It's not hard. I was talking to my mom about how she's going to get to the airport on Thursday. And she's like, well, yeah, because I can't use, I can't use like Lyft because I don't have a smartphone. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, how does, God. How does one do things without a smartphone? I don't understand how she's simultaneously living in 1998 <laughs> and 2017. That's... She's pretty. Your mother's a well, time traveler. The thing traveler. that's amazing is she has a tablet, and she's so much better on it than I am. Like I don't know how Weird. to do a tablet. I get really old really fast when someone hands me a tablet. I all of a sudden I'm like demon screen. <laughs> get out of here, you portal of the damned. <laughs> Basically, I don't know what to do. Like half the time, my TV makes weird things like it has weird pictures i'm like what's going on oh i must have restarted the the tv accidentally 
my dogs. Oh no, <laughs> it's broken forever. <laughs> I sometimes, well, like the other day I couldn't find my Apple remote and I just left it on. I just turned the TV off. I was like, fine, do what you need to do. God be with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm such an old person in a young person's body. Well, you got a lot of time ahead of you. You, you, you oh God! You've got your about to your you're about to read a quote voice on. No, I've got my I'm about to read a quote smug face. <laughs> yeah, on, it's, a, it's I, a, I've a, missed like three openings already, and it's just not gonna happen it, unless I force it's it. It's a smug face, but I saw it, and I'm like, I'm, it's coming. <laughs> I need to force this quote on you. Here yeah. comes a quote. You ready? Whether you like it or not, I'm gonna make some allegations about un- this quote. <laughs> I was gonna say it's just you and me. And uh, at this quote, so I'm going to have to testify on your behalf of how the, the quote, you know, treated you. I will cooperate your story for how the, the quote went after I you. appreciate really that. aggressive quote. It took me 15 years to discover I had no talent for writing, but I couldn't give it up because by that time, I was too famous. Robert Benchley? I believe that's yeah. how it's pronounced, yes. I mean, he must not be that famous if I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> I just enjoyed that way too much when I read that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, I think that's, I mean, minus the, the being famous thing, I think that's what's going to happen to me. Eventually I'll be right? like, I just can't write. I think we'll all give up eventually because that is the nature of life, a slow and steady decrease. Well, it's at least entropy. the nature of millennial life. Slow Claps and Rewrites is painstakingly produced by Adair Rice and Daniel Crary. It is edited with extreme prejudice by Adair Rice. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a part of the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright M-M-X-V-I-I. 2017. All rights reserved. Until we've been dead for 70 years.